So um, oh, when we got there, we, so, so this is the church we stayed in in Paraguay. It's called Vida y Paz, which means uh, life and peace. Yeah, it means life and peace. And uh, we, we, we felt peace when they were, we were there, but not life because it was so cold. <laughs> You know, um, so, so yes, actually. So it's it doesn't often get as cold as it usually did, but you know it only happens once every couple of years. But we came right during a cold snap, and so didn't really matter how much clothes we put on and how many blankets we put on, we were still freezing. So uh, this church was really cold, but it was still a good place to be. So we stayed there for what week and a half, about that. Yeah, about a week. So um. Yeah, it was, I don't know, 5 a.m. every morning, which quickly turned into 6 a.m. every morning of uh, prayer and then breakfast. And during the day, we'd generally just go around and, I don't know, either visit people or, yeah, visit people. And then we'd do maybe a church service or a home group at night or something like that. Um, So forget that mug in the front. Um, These guys... Uh, they really, well, not this lady on this side, she was just the tour guide for that day, but she was a funny little lady. Um, these other guys, they, they took us around most of the week. Ch- Chicky, the, the guy, he's the driver. He should be a rally car driver, I reckon, even though he was driving a van all week. He was brilliant. Um, I've never seen anyone drive like that. Paraguay driving is not like Australia driving. We have very, we have road rules, um, but uh, he's just a machine. Um, yeah, so they really took us around all week. The guy in the back next to me, his name is Joralvo, and as you can see, he uh, took my hat. Um, yes, but I got it back eventually. Um, and not really a single person spoke English in Paraguay, so that was a little bit difficult. Um, we had one translator for us, like, for two nights, and, and she was amazing. And um, but it was really funny. Often people would speak to us in Spanish, and then we'd, you know, between Rod and I, we could probably pick up about twenty percent of what they were saying because I know some words and he knows some words, and we'd probably try and put it together a little bit. Okay, I think we're saying this. Okay, let's. How are we going to respond? And it was sort of like that all week. And sometimes it was really funny when someone would just talk really fast in Spanish, and we can't get any of it, and we just give them a stupid look. And then Geralvo, who was really good, he would help us out by translating it for us into Spanish. (laughs) Slower. (laughs) So it kind of helped, kind of didn't. Um, (laughs) So that was Paraguay. It was fantastic. Um, So on the first night we were there, um, yeah, and, uh, I, I don't have as many pictures, unfortunately. The first night we were there, we had a service and um, really all we could do is pray for people because, you know, we don't speak Spanish and they don't speak English. So really we just prayed for people and, and you know, lots of people got healed of all different kinds of things and it was all very wonderful. And this sort of happened a, a few times in a row in, in different services and, and Rod and I came together and we had a chat about it and we said, look, we can't, keep doing this. We've got to figure out a way to actually teach these people that they can do what we can do. Otherwise, they're going to think that we're special. And that is not what we want. You know, we're not better than them. They've got Jesus living inside them just like us. So what we ended up doing for the rest of the week pretty much is 
writing down whatever sermon or teaching we had on Microsoft Word, and then we'd translate it into Spanish, which is, I mean, I guess we trusted it, but I don't know how it sounded. And we'd just try and read it straight out, which for someone who's been reading English his whole life, all of a sudden reading Spanish and not knowing some of the pronunciations and, you know, I just, you know, I had no clue. But Joralvo was really good. He would be able to, um, you know, after we say a couple of sentences, he would kind of summarise it and then you'd start to hear the amens in the congregation. <laughs> so um, uh, that was really good. Um, so we, we did a lot of that throughout the week. Um, oh, yeah, this church here, they were, they were pretty cool. That was actually a bit of a funny story. Um, so I went to South America with the strict intention of not playing guitar anywhere I went, and uh, that lasted um, one night. Um, then the, the first morning that we were there, I'm like, Jaralvo, have you got a guitar just so I can play? Like, you know, I'm not expecting him to say, you play guitar. We need a guitarist, you know. And uh, so he gets me a guitar and I start playing and he's like, we have a service tonight and you will play three or four or five songs, you know. And so I ended up playing it, I think, every service and every get-together that we had with just about anyone all throughout the week even though most of my songs were in English, I managed to translate Awesome God into Spanish and that was all right. Anyway, this church here, um, you know, I got invited up to play after their band had a few songs and, and then I'm kind of, you know, strumming away and then, you know, and then I, I, fi I finish off with Awesome God because I'm singing, singing it in Spanish and, uh, you know, and after some time I start dying down. I'm like, all right, I'll finish it off now. And then God was like, no, you're not going to finish it off. I'm, okay, well, I'll build it back up again and go for a little while longer. And then the pastor starts getting into it. And, yeah, come on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yep. And then, so I keep going and, and then I die it back down again after five minutes and God was like, nope. And I was like, okay, so I'll build it back up again for five minutes. And then after five minutes, I was like, all right, I'll take it down again. So I die it back down and I'm going to finish it off. And God's like, nope. And, I was like, oh. and by this stage, the pastor's really getting into it. So I was like, all right. So I got off the stage and I went down in front of the people and I started playing and that's sort of where everyone started praying for each other and um, that went for, I don't know how long, maybe an hour or something and I was just, oh, this is easy, I'll just worship, I'll just worship and have some fun and everyone else can do it. And then uh, after that was all finished, there was one lady that was uh, manifesting a, an evil spirit and so, you know, put the guitar down and Rod and I took her out into the back room and spent some time with her for the next, well, people said it was an hour, but felt like 30 minutes or something. But anyway, she got free and uh, that's that lady there in the purple jacket. Um, yeah, she looked so much better afterwards. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, one, wonderful little church. And then they invited us to a pastor's meet, I think the next day. Pastors from all different um, denominations, you know, Prezies, Penties, Bapos, all sorts of wonderful things. I'm just abbreviating everything. Um, and it was really good and we got to spend some time with them and encourage them. And, and I sang a song to them in English and they're, they're really expressive. And the lady who was translating for us like for two days, she, she was there with us. And this one pastor came up to me and even though he didn't understand a single word of what I sang, he said that he would always treasure that song in his heart. And I was like, wow, these people are really incredible. Um, he knew what the song was about because 
the, the lady explained it to him. Um, now, sorry, you can't really see that very well. Um, so that was inside the church. You know Operation Christmas Child? Does everyone know what it is? Okay. Some people don't? All right. Anyway, it's where we give shoebox to kids in other countries that don't really get much. Shoebox filled with, like, presents and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, I've always been part of the process where, you know, we get the boxes and we fill them up with toys and things like that and then we send them off and I never see it again. But we got to experience this firsthand where the kids actually get the boxes and you see the reactions on their faces. And we weren't expecting that at all because we don't really know what the program is because, yes, and it's not Christmas, we don't really know what the program is because we don't speak Spanish. So we're just kind of going along with everything every single day. Where are we going now? Okay, let's do it. That's actually exactly what it was like. And so this church got filled up with kids, absolutely filled up with kids, and they all got boxes, and we got to hand the kids the boxes and open the boxes for them and then look at their faces while they looked inside their boxes. And that was one of the most special things on the trip for me. I, I absolutely was not expecting it. It was, it was incredible, and just kids running around everywhere with their new toys, throwing things at each other and sometimes fighting, and then, oh, no, and then, you know, just... It was, uh, that was such a wonderful day. Um, yeah, an entirely new experience. And then we went out, so that was in the church, and then we went out to this property here. So there's a house on the property, and then there's like a, a blank piece of land. And there's a group that has fellowship out there. They're part of the church, but they're just a little too far away to come into the church. So that spot there, they're actually looking at um, building another church so that they can have you know, two services on Sunday in different areas. So we went out there and spent some time with those kids and also gave them a bunch of Operation Christmas Child boxes. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Rodney. <coughs> that's Geraldo. Now, that guy's name is, uh, he's Gustavo. He was like a real clown. He was a joker. He was really funny, but... Um, he, he has a real heart of gold and he was probably the only other guitarist I met in all of Paraguay, so I didn't have to play all the time. He played once. <laughs> and this guy, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Robert. Such a Spanish name. Roberto. Um, he was the coordinator of like a combined church's ministry in uh, Paraguay. All different denominations that just come together and... <clears throat> You know, wherever there's a need, they, they sort it out. Now, I'll let Rodney talk more about that because he'll be talking more about potential and relationships and stuff like that. I'm really just talking about what happened. Um, yeah, so it was really good to meet up with him. Uh, after, you know, after we spent a week in uh, Paraguay, we crossed over the border into Foz, which is like right on the, right on the border with Paraguay and Argentina. And we spent some time in this little church here. Now, that guy is Pastor Enyo. He's, uh, he's just the, the most pleasant man you could ever meet. And the guy in the middle next to me, I can't even remember what his name was. Anyway, he was a top bloke. He, um, he fellowships with the Presbyterians. and he got, So he doesn't usually come to this church. And he got a call up from Pastor Enyo. Hey, um, 
we've got some Australians here tonight and we need someone to translate for us. Can you do it? And he goes, okay. Like he didn't know how he was going to get to the church because what he explained to us later on was his car had no petrol in it. It was completely empty. It would not even start. And he had no way to get petrol. So he's like, God, I need to get there tonight to translate for these Australians. Can you please start my car? Vroom! Oh, sweet! And then, and then he took off. And he did the same thing the next day as well. He still had no petrol in the car. God, I need to get back there. And then he started it and the car started. And he drove all the way to church and back with no petrol in the car. So that was pretty cool. And, and uh, so, so we, spent, we only spent a weekend in that church. We were, throughout the whole trip, really all we were focusing on uh, on teaching was our identity in Christ, our authority in Christ, you know, um, the concept of grace, all that kind of stuff. None of this, um, you got to do the works to be a good Christian kind of stuff. You know, we, we really wanted to destroy that idea. Um, you know, we just want to preach identity in Christ. And so after we would do that, we would pray for people and, and then God would, God would do things and God would heal people. Um, so quite a, quite a few people got healed in that church too. Um, yeah. And, and lots of people were encouraged and we would often get other people to lay hands on people that needed healing. And then we just stand back and pray and God would heal them because, you know, Again, the last thing we want is for us to be put on some big awesome picture like miracles happen when these guys show up. No, it doesn't have to be like that. Miracles can happen all the time because that's what God does. Ah, another big mug in the front. Um, so this is Igor and Daniela. Uh, we stayed with them when we went up to Salvador. So we spent the weekend in Foz. Then we flew across to Rio and stayed there for maybe two hours. So that was awesome. And then we flew up to Salvador. And we stayed at, at their house. Um, so Igor, I guess, is an elder in the church, um, even though he's like 30. Um, and Daniela uh, often leads worship with her sister, who actually pastors the church at the moment. That's Pastor Livia. Um, their father, what was his name? Shagas. Yeah, that's it. Pastor Shagas usually pastors the church, but he's um, he stays at home now. He's got uh, Alzheimer's, so he doesn't really move. Um, so th- his daughters have kind of taken over the church. Um, wonderful, wonderful group of people. I mean, in Brazil, well, in Paraguay as well, but more so in Brazil, like you'll drive down a street and you could see four different churches in that same street, and most of them are assemblies of God. Um not that that matters, but that's just kind of most of what they have over there. But what tends to happen in a lot of churches in Brazil, no matter really what denomination you're part of, it's like th- there's no unity or, or there's a lack thereof. And so someone will get offended with their pastor and then maybe go and start their own church or, or something like that. And, and so new churches are coming up all the time and it's... You know, that's not really a good thing. But the the church we stayed in was so wonderful. Everyone was, you know, like a real family. And you could feel that sort of presence as soon as you walked in. You just felt right at home. You you could just tell that this was a different group right here and that these people really longed for the things of God and they weren't sort of chasing their own reputation. And uh, I think we just 
probably prayed for almost every single person in that church. <laughs> I've never prayed for so many people in my life. Um, and we, yeah, we spent the week with them and um, gosh, people got healed of, you know, such wonderful things. Um, there was one lady, I, I can't remember what her condition was called, but she has like, she grew something in her brain seven years ago. Her name was Rebecca. Um, and she has like in, involuntary movements and she couldn't really walk by herself and she'd, you know, and she she had trouble talking and stuff like that. And we'd pray with her throughout the week. And sh- uh, she wasn't fully healed by the time we left. We didn't see her for the last couple of days. But um, sh- she got better throughout. And there was one stage in, in one service where she just started jumping. She hasn't done that in seven years. And, and we're like, oh, that's so cool, you know. Um, I got to hand it to this guy. He's pretty persistent. He just he doesn't stop praying for people, and uh, and there was a lot of hurt in her life too towards her family and stuff like that. So when we went to visit her at her house, with you know there was us and there was Pastor Livia and Igor and Daniela, um, you know God convicted her and she just walked over and hugged her mum and forgave her right there, like right in front of us, and it was just the most holy thing you could ever watch. It was so wonderful. Like, I, I didn't even want to look at it because it was so beautiful. But I'm, nah, I'm capturing this. Um, and uh, I don't think I've got pictures of the. No, no, I don't think I do. But anyway, um, this this guy here. Oh, so that's Pastor Livia there, and that's her husband. What's his name? Vitor. Lewis. <laughs> There was a lot of Vitor, so that was a guess. Um, this guy, I can't remember his name. Do you? No. Anyway, he's uh, he was a real top bloke. So this is like a this is his home where he takes care of kids who have cancer. Now I'll share a little bit of his story with you. Um, him and his wife had a son. And he developed cancer when he was a little boy and he died and there was no one to take care of him and they couldn't really get the help that they wanted. And so they decided to open up their home for kids who had cancer. And none of this is government funded. They've, you know, they sort of rely on the church and different people giving to them, you know, food and and money and stuff like that. And uh, so after their son died there was a, a complication so that they couldn't have any more kids. And then they prayed and God blessed them and they've got like two or three little kids now. Um, and so he just, they take care of kids all the time who have cancer. And, you know, some of them pass away and, and yeah, that's, that's hard for anyone. And, and he, just, he just keeps going and he's just, he's full of life and he's full of joy. And he, like you just wonder how he does it. Um, so, so we got to spend a day with um, a bunch of the kids and we got to pray for them and, and just have some fun with them too. And we had pizza that night. This is the first time we had pizza when we were away. And it was, oh, yes, some real food. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We had, we had great food when we were away. I don't know how I didn't put on weight. Anyway, so yeah, fantastic guy right there. That's all I've got. Um, but I'll just quickly... Okay, so... We also went to I didn't sorry I didn't include this in the pictures. We also went to uh, what do you call it a, a mental home? Is that what you call it? I'm trying to find find the most diplomatic way of saying it. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, radio, well, you get the picture, one of those. Anyway, and there was, I don't know, 30 or 40 inhabitants there or something, and plus some of the work. Oh, how do I, patients, not inhabitants. <laughs> patients, my bad. And um, it's very hard to capture their attention usually. They won't sit still for very long and one person will start and bother someone else. That's generally how it goes. But I, I got to share my testimony with them and, and they just stayed there and they just listened. And God really just moved through all of them and, and we sang some songs and they got right into it and a whole bunch of them gave their lives to Jesus. And, uh, and then we just prayed for a fair few of them and lots of them got healed of all kinds of things. Like one guy had... Uh, like a big scar on his leg and what happened was he was in an accident and they had to fix his thigh because it had broken but ever since he hasn't been able to walk properly and he's always been a bit crooked and we prayed for him and then he just straightened up "Ah!" yeah and then you know just things like that and some people were addicted to things and God released them of that and and uh, there was one lady there that she, she had a melanoma on her back and it was really itchy and then we prayed for her and she said that she felt like her back where the melanoma was was burning and, um, and then the itching stopped. Um, so, I mean, we, we believe she was healed. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, like, and, and that was just the norm. Every single day while we were away, just things like that would happen all the time. It was, it was really cool. It's... It's really not hard to just reach out and pray for someone. You know, it's the easiest thing in the world. So, um, what else? What happened after that? What did we do? Yeah, we just, ah, we did have a barbecue. I ate a lot. Um, Yeah. Couldn't eat for a couple of days after that. Meat. Rodney said I ate half a cow. I think I did. Anyway, but um, yeah, we've uh, built a bit of relationship with that church in particular. So I might just let Rodney share the rest. You're the man. We there? We there. All right. Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, look, um, I said to Jamie, you got 15, 20 minutes. I knew that was going to be a miracle in itself. But um, can I just share some things or are you in a hurry to go home? Beauty. Cool. Um, so Jamie shared a lot about his personal experience and what happened. Um, I'm going to share on similar aspects of it, but also how we go forward in all this because um, for us the the whole purpose of going to Paraguay, Brazil, the whole of the South Americas is really um, spying out the land. It's sort of like the spies going into Canaan. Um, As you know, CRC has a vision in missions uh, to have a presence in every nation by 2045. Okay, so that's not that far away, under 30 years. You think, well, that's plenty of time. Um, no, it's not. Okay. Um, 
we are part of the CRC. We are part of this, this vision. And, and going into Brazil was really a, a calling of God to, to help fulfill because not one person, not one church is going to fulfill the whole vision. And the whole aspect of Brazil, Paraguay, the South Americas, as far as Life Source Church goes, is part of the bigger picture. But it's not just about me and it's not just about Jamie. It's about us as a church and, and how we, you know, how we, we, we send, how we resource, how we encourage, how we can um, just go there with the aspect of leading people to Christ, disciples, um, the whole thing. And so I just want to share my heart in that, um, in, in what we can do. So um, again, uh, we might touch on the same sort of thing, but um, that is the church that we went to. Um, I think the first thing we need to do is fundraise for heaters, okay, and send them a whole bunch of heaters, um, literally at night, and ask my wife. I normally, uh, uh, no, nah, that'll give you a horrible picture, but I, you know, I'm normally very hot at night, okay, and, and very warm. Um, and, um, but when we were there, I slept with a singlet t shirt, long sleeve um, shirt. Um, tracksuit pants and two pairs of socks there was three blankets two dunas on the bed and that and I was warm then okay um it was cold and uh literally I, I just threw the bean into the suitcase I thought I'll just throw the bean in just in case it gets cold one night I only took it off to share the word and have a shower <laughs> okay um but don't let that throw you off we're just going to be better prepared next time aren't we amen all right um, so Pastor Geraldo is uh, the contact I had in Paraguay. I met him through Pastor Enio the trip before and just felt to go to Paraguay and explore that. Uh, Jamie, um, there is a little red thing here, buddy. You can go like that. <laughs> um, so they're, they're the church in Paraguay. Um, Jamie touched on that. I won't go through that much more. Uh, ministry, um, we turned up to one church uh, one night and they had this banner. Um, I'll have to tell them that that's my name is not spelt with a double O, um, but I didn't have the heart that night to tell them. Okay, um, and I was meant to be this, um, you know, this great preacher from Australia coming along and sharing the word. Um, I never actually got up to share the word because the Holy Spirit just took over through Jamie's ministry of worship, uh, and he just started moving powerfully um, in the spirit. And as as um, as he mentioned, we prayed for this lady here who started manifesting uh, during worship. Um, I actually didn't notice it at first. I was just going along praying for people, and Jamie was playing. And then he came over to me and he said, uh, Rod, I think this woman needs some deliverance. Uh, she was lying on the floor just speaking gibberish um, and wriggling around like a snake. Um, so we thought, yep. Uh, so we started praying for her. Uh, she started manifesting a whole heap more. So we said, this is no good, um, you know, this, this spirit just wants to be the center of attention and take over the meeting. So we said to the pastor, we're going to just take her out the back um, while you keep worshiping. Um, and so we did that. And yeah, like Jamie said, it was half an hour, an hour, and she was set free, praise the Lord. And um, she wouldn't even open her eyes. Um, during that whole hour, she just kept her eyes shut and they were clenched shut and she wouldn't even open them. And I was trying to open them because I just wanted to see into her eyes because I knew if I could see into her eyes, I could confront this demon. I, I could 
confront. But while the eyes were shut, he was sort of, you know, hiding in a sense and didn't want to be exposed. Uh, and so we were just talking to her. We were talking to her in English, but we weren't talking to her. We were talking to the Spirit. So, okay. And um, so English was fine. I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the Spirit understood English. All right. Um, but she was set free and um, the whole dynamics of a face just changed. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. It's actually the first time I've, I've been in that position um, to pray in deliverance and see that result. Um, and she was just beaming at the end. You can see a beautiful smile and just a countenance there um, was awesome. Um, so, yeah, this great speaker from Australia didn't even get to speak, but the Holy Spirit did something. Amen. Amen. So um, I, I praise the Lord that um, I do not think of myself highly than I ought to, but let the Spirit of God do something. Amen. And I actually said to Jamie, I said, I said to him while, we'll, um, while the, the actual church group was worshipping, I said to Jamie, I said, you know what, man, I'm really tired tonight. It'd be good if God could just do something. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and, um, you know, even in our weakness, even in our weakness, God still moves powerfully, Amen. And um, that was just that was just awesome. Um, here's a video, Operation Christmas Child, that Jamie touched on. I took this two-minute video. Just have a look. <laughs> picture <laughs> should I have listened to that before I put it up there <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason I really want to highlight this is because as Jamie said we're on the, we're on this on one end of this whole process um, we pack the boxes 
um, we've been doing it. Like Billy Wright um, took hold of the, the whole Operation Christmas Child 20 years ago, um, and we've been doing it ever since. And then Grace um, took it on and, and really built it up and, and did a wonderful job with that. Grace have now let it go as far as the organisational part of it, and now our wonderful Jan has, um, has picked that up and really feels called to, to lead us again in this ministry. And so I really wanted to um, show this to you in a sense to show you that the boxes do get to kids and that, the, and that the, the appreciation and the reaction is real and it's heartwarming. And, you know, th these kids were just... In the church, they were lining up about two hours before the actual the, the, the event was meant to happen. And I went to open the door and the pastor said, don't you dare open that door, okay, until the time, because <laughs> otherwise it would just be poof, all straight in and it would be free for all. Um, but I really do want to encourage you. Jan, stand up. This is a lady that is putting it together. You, most of you know Jan. Um, we've already started um, encouraging people to take a box and start filling it. Um, but it does, it does brighten the day and it's not just about the gift um, as you can see there the the cute faces of uh, of these kids um, we might need to check but I thought a really great idea like they had these boxes but a lot of them were also in these plastic containers and I thought that's a brilliant idea we just need to check though that it's allowable from Australia um, but that gives the, the family a container to store food in afterwards. So it's not just a box that maybe gets thrown away or, or disposed of, but it's actually a useful thing. But I'm just going to get Jan to confirm that, that it's allowable before we do that, okay? Um, so don't don't pursue that right yet. We'll, we'll report on that in another couple of weeks. So Jan, can you make a mental note of that and, um, and check up on that? So um, some faces, okay? That's the crowd. Um, all right, um, Jamie touched on this, these people, um, the, the Association of Evangelical Pastors of Paraguay, also known as APEP, okay, um, just this is the first time we met uh, this bloke, Robert, Pastor Robert, who's the administrator of, um, of the whole association, and basically it's a, an organisation that, that um, unites pastors of every denomination um, across the nation. And it basically brings them into, listen to this, an interdependent relationship. And when I heard that, I thought, man, that's our heart as a CRC, interdependent ministries. And so we were talking to this guy for a couple of hours. We had a, a, good, um, um, a good interpreter, uh, a single lady, eh, Jamie, who spoke English. Yes, yes. but we won't go there. Um, she was very nice. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> um, but the whole point being, doors open, um, and we've been invited to continue relationship with that um, and, and see where that goes. So that'll be interesting. Uh, watch this space in, in far as, as what happens there uh, with these guys. So if we get a foot in with these guys and, and help them out, um, we'll basically have contact with uh, probably 80% of the pastors in, in Paraguay. So that'll be interesting, amen? Uh, all right. Um, now, these guys. These guys touch my heart. 
um, Pastor Livia, as you can see there, a beautiful lady in heart, um, took over from her father when he developed Alzheimer's and could no longer lead the church. The church is six years old um, and basically an independent church. And really, her question to me was, why us? Why did you come from Australia to us? And I said, we're just following the Holy Spirit. We're just following the Holy Spirit and he's brought us here. And we really feel a connection. There's a connection. There's a, there's a, 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 a spirit that is the same as us. Um, a spirit that seeks to exalt the Lord, uh, to uphold his word, um, to not only see souls saved, but discipleship. Disciple these people um, to go and spread the word. And so there, as Jamie said, uh, Danielle and Igor. Igor is, uh, uh, speaks English well, so um, he's been our interpreter uh, throughout the whole time. And so really there's this sense, and as a church, I pr present this to you because the whole conversation then steered around these guys don't really want to be on their own. They see that that's not healthy. As ministers and as a church, um, they want to be associated with like-minded churches and ministers. And so the whole conversation steered around the vision of the CRC and how we, as Life Source Church, or in Spanish known as uh, Fuente de Vida, okay, um, we can we can in a in a sense not in any formal sense, but um, join and and that we could be in a sense a sponsor church for them um, into the CRC, and they really like the values and vision of the CRC. And um, so that's all in the background playing, um, playing out. Um, obviously, there's conversations we need to have with the missions board of CRC and with the, the elders of this church and also with the congregation of this church. Um, but as we fill that out and see where the Lord takes us in that, I believe there's a special relationship with this church happening. And, um, you know, uh, that's just, uh, that's the name of the church for Familia na altar, which means family at the altar. Okay, um, that's some of the ladies that uh, did an item for us at the on the last night. Uh, wonderful bunch of girls. Uh, Jamie fell in love with this woman because basically she cooked and cleaned for him the whole trip. <laughs> so Gal was awesome. Hey, uh, eh? she was awesome, and she cleaned your clothes. <laughs> but that's just them. Um, look, uh, I could keep you here for another hour just telling you testimonies of healings and um, just the wonderful things that God did. Um, but I'll just share. Um, is that going? Okay, in, in, the, in the six years, they've baptized 45 people. And that's not transferred from other churches. That's new Christians. Amen. Uh, that's just one group of them. Um, Okay, this girl here, um, and that's her mum, Smina. Um, basically, on the last night, as we were saying our goodbyes, she just come over to me and started crying, and I just melted. <laughs> um, as you know, I, I have my own beautiful daughter, and um, and that, and uh, this girl here. We prayed for her a couple of nights before that, 
because uh, we just really felt the Holy Spirit saying, pray for people with depression. And so she came forward. She told us that she's had a history of cutting herself, um, uh, severe depression, basically a lot of things. But one of the causes was a dysfunctional relationship with her father. Um, just really, it was non-existent and just really traumatic for her. And she was just looking for a father figure and um, just managed to see a guy in a grey beard and thought um, he, lo he looks like a, a fatherly figure. Um, but she just told us afterwards um, she was set free from her, from her desire to, to cut herself for those, um, those days. And, um, yeah, she wrote me a beautiful letter of thanks and just saying thank you for coming over. Um, and those sort of stories just, just really get to you. They melt your heart. And, you know, you think yeah, the time away from your family, um, the time away from the church, um, you guys, um, but you go halfway around the world and you touch one life like this and you think one life out of seven billion, does it really matter? You bet it matters. You bet it matters. Who knows what this young lady will do? In her life and if I can encourage you if you never have thought of missions if you ever never thought of hopping on a plane I know we do a lot of stuff here locally uh, and across Australia and there's many opportunities and and I say to you explore it all um, it's all valid it's all it's all right but there's also a great big wide world out there yes it does take m money to get there okay yes you got to leave your, your family and your workplace for a time. But these stories, they stick in your heart forever. Um, and, you know, and I really want to encourage you, there is many opportunities for us. Um, Jamie touched on this. I won't go into that anymore. Um, oh, that's just Jamie having a feed. Um, the antics of Jamie. He loved his barbecue. Uh, and then he ran into a bit of trouble there with the law enforcement age. So they, uh, they're actually real policemen and they're real guns. Um, <laughs> and there's Jamie climbing a mango tree. You can see him just there. But that's my travelling companion. He kept, me, uh, he kept me entertained. And so what's next? Um, obviously there's conversations to be had, but can I plant a seed? Or many seeds. If there's a seed there, can I water it? Go to God in prayer. If there is a desire in your heart to do something, if there is a seed in your heart to make a difference in some small way, even to go halfway around the world and touch one young lady, her life, then I want to say, go for it. Don't let any excuse hold you back. Don't let any circumstance in your life become greater than the call of God to pursue it. Okay? Because we can all use the excuse, all right? I haven't got the money, I haven't got the time, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. It might seem valid. But ultimately, if the will is to go and the call of God is telling you to go, then all I can say is you've got to go you got to go, all right? 
Obviously, you've got to talk to people, you've got to um, use wisdom in, in all those situations, but the opportunities are there. Um, we're going to keep relating to Brazil and Paraguay, um, and it's not just about me, it's not just about Jamie. We've got to s explore, obviously, how this all works together as a church and with the greater CRC organisation. Um, so there's, there's the South Americas, and then you've got the subcontinent of India that um, James and Amy uh, are going to in January, late January, early February next year. If you really feel there's a call for you to go, um, then talk to these guys and, and say, look, I, I sense that God is telling me to come with you. Then have a conversation with them and see where it ends up. Okay, um, But there is opportunity. There are doors open. And so I really want to encourage you. I know it's getting a little bit late, um, but I, I pray that uh, the Spirit has uh, encouraged you some way this morning and um, allowed Jamie and I to speak into your life and bring encouragement that there's a big wide world out there. There's a big family of Christ out there. Uh, we're not just insular in the, in here in Griffith or in this church. We are part of a great cause. And I want to say to you, give it all you got because you only got the 70 or 80 years here on earth to do that. Then after that, we're at home with the Lord. So don't let any excuse hold you back. Um, you go for it. Go for it with all your might. Amen? Amen. And don't let the fact that it took us 70 hours to get home deter you. That's another story for another day. All right, but that's all part of the adventure. And so we want to encourage you in that.